So we're real wide open about what we are and what we are not. And we just want to help everybody uh, put a put a mark on Georgia and the, the the voice of Georgia barbecue, whatever that is. So that when I go to the you know to Memphis or Austin or wherever else, I my my heroic places of barbecue, St. Louis, that I hear people talking about Georgia barbecue. That would be success. And until that happens, I won't sit down either. Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. Barbecue, ever a regional topic of debate on what is best, how to, sauce or no sauce, dry rub or not, what type of wood, I could go on. Stephen Franklin, the founder of Das Barbecue, is an Atlanta native and ever a student and promoter of the science of smoke. And his restaurant, over on the west side, just off of Collier Road, has been picking up steam since 2016 with incredible smoked brisket, smoked wings, and an absolutely amazing menu that happens to be friendly with the vegetarian, vegan, and gluten-free crowds. Now, I'll say that you're going to love hearing Steven's story, and he's just the kind of guy that you're going to love getting to know, but especially, you're going to be hungry. So, here's my interview with Steven Franklin of Das Barbecue. <laughs> Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to Das Barbecue, man. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I... You, you guys have been like all over the place. I mean, like you guys have, have made all types of like headlines and like recent news. Like you guys have, have really just been on fire lately. No, I mean, <laughs> no pun intended, Yeah. but, um, but no, it's, it's really cool. I mean, you guys have really like established yourselves as like a, a really awesome barbecue player in the city of Atlanta. And, um, it's, it's been really, really exciting. And, and before we talk too much about like the business and some exciting things that you guys are working on over here, I want to get to know you just a little bit. Okay. So, um, so the first question, it's the inescapable first question that every single one of my guests receive before we actually get things going is sure. I want to know who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she? Excellent question. Um, first of all, welcome here. I'm glad you're here. This is awesome. Um, and we're just really appreciative to be, to be part of the barbecue scene movement. But uh, growing up, my, my mother was the head cook. Uh, she, the type of cuisine she cooked, Ben, was from uh, a lot of Midwest and Southern, just good old fashioned meat and potato recipes. And a lot of that is because I didn't like a whole lot of vegetables growing up. <laughs> and, uh, and over the years when my father was in town, equally, he began barbecue. I mean, since I had memory, it, a lot of the meat or any of the grilling came from him. So it was both of them. I would say mom carried about 70% of the weight and he carried about 30% of the weight. So some of the, the dishes she would cook, uh, pan fried chicken and mashed potatoes, mm -hmm. um, uh, pressure cooker, vegetable beef soup. Just made some the other day, an old school pressure cooker. Oh um, man, like a stovetop pressure cooker? Exactly, man. Yeah. I, I, uh, it was fun, man. I showed my girlfriend how, how that was going. Nice. Um, how to do it it's kind of scary but anyhow um she would cook golly I'm, th I'm thinking of dinners meatloaf you know it's a big midwest thing so just a lot of maybe tricky ways to try to get me to eat some decent food and then dad would do all things meat uh, and he would do it from grilling steaks and hot dogs and hamburgers 
and he got really into barbecue at, or when I was at an early age. So in the, you know, the, the kind of late seventies is when he really started getting into barbecue. And I think a lot of it had to do with, because he was colorblind, <laughs> it was ah. easier to, to, to use a <laughs> thermometer to tell when something was done rather than when a steak was right. Right. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> so those are my cooking heroes. Yeah. One, yeah. one of the pitfalls of being colorblind, but that makes you probably excellent at barbecue. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think there's something to it. Yeah. Where was home? I uh, grew up in Decatur, so... Wow. Yeah, Dad was a Emory business professor. Get out. So... Who, yeah, it's, this is really funny. Uh-huh. So I, you know, like I, I think a lot of us joke around in Atlanta. I'm not an Atlanta native, you know. I mean, I, I grew up in Florida, but so many people there, you know, just playing to the to, to transients of like where people lived before and now they live here in Atlanta. Yeah. A lot of people just joke around that like nobody's from Atlanta anymore. Yeah. But I seem to collect people on this show who grew up in Atlanta. Another guy who grew up in Decatur, uh, Drew McBath from Banner Butter. So it was just really cool. I mean, and then like I had Jarrett Steber, like he grew up in Morningside and then, uh, Bess Wayant from Treehouse Milk. Like, you know, like I just, like, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to like get people like, Oh, if you're an Atlanta native, like you're a perfect guest for the Atlanta food cast. Like Bess went to Grady. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and I, I just, I, I, I continue to have all of these amazing Atlanta natives who are doing such cool things. So, you know, maybe there's something really special here, but, um, you know, I, I think it's great. Like, Thanks. you know, you're, 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 you're talking about your home and you're at home. So Absolutely. it was East Clifton road, man. It was eight tenths of a mile from, uh, the Emory village, we would call it where mm-hmm. the roundabout is now. But, uh, yeah, that's where we, uh, in 1975, I was born here. The last year, the Emory hospital on Clifton had a delivery unit apparently. Oh, wow. And then we moved to Oklahoma city where dad got his PhD. Then he got, he did that so that he could get hired back into the Southeast. He, Grew up in South Southeast Georgia and then Jacksonville, so he's also a Florida guy. So yeah, you, know, you got that in common. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. anyway, he but he he ended up in Georgia and that's where we lived. That's where I grew up until I was twelve, uh, almost thirteen years old. And then we moved over to Vinings, and then in 1993 I graduated high school and they moved to Brookhaven and they've been there ever since. Gotcha. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You've got nothing but Atlanta in your blood, man. Atlanta and Athens, man. Go yeah. dogs, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Do you yeah. have any siblings? I do have an older sister. She lives in uh, Gainesville, just okay. right up the road, you yep. know, about yeah. 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really cool, man. What, what kind of eater were you growing up, though? I mean, I know, like, you know, your dad is, like, learning how to barbecue and slow smoke. Your mom is, like, you know, the, like, the, um, you know, a- everything that is, like, salt of the earth, like, soulful cooking, like, growing up, especially here in Atlanta. And, I, uh, you know, and we've obviously changed quite a bit. I mean, you still have, like, a lot of those really awesome, like, true southern roots. But, you know, like, what, what did that kind of mean for you as an eater? Were you picky? Were you, like, did you dig food as, at a young age? or Super picky. Um, I was, I loved, I've always loved food. But I think early on I was more intrigued by the, the fire and the cooking and what you did. Uh, because I was very, very, very picky liked zero vegetables i mean the first time i ever ate tomatoes was accidentally on some uh, taco bell nachos in college after <laughs> a few beers i'm sure so i mean literally i was very very picky so meat what and potatoes. the hell are these yeah right these red <laughs> things these chilies yeah um <laughs> so it was really good but regardless i've come a long way since then but yeah i was really if it wasn't meat and potatoes like if it had onion or mushrooms in it it was like kryptonite to me. Mm. So I was super picky. That's where I think I really, I, I love meat. But when I say meat and potatoes, that's me. I mm-hmm. mean, 
I still love that, but I've, I've branched a long way since then as an adult. Yeah, but. I mean, well, it's it's cool. I'm excited to like you know get into the side of you know talking about your menu because I mean you you have elote on your menu. You yeah. Know? So like you've <laughs> obviously graduated far outside of just meat and potatoes, man. Got a few few vegetable degrees yeah, since then. Know, we're working. Yeah, I mean, but I'm, I'm with you there, man. Like that, you know, talk about kindred spirit. Like I I was the worst as a kid. Like both my parents are chefs and. You know, growing up with them, like running catering or, you know, working in restaurants, like the idea of eating meatloaf, like which most people were like, yes, like <laughs> meatloaf night. Like I just crippled. I mean, <laughs> you know, my, my legs just buckled beneath me and I was the worst. I mean, I was just, um, it was, uh, it was like adversity, you know, yeah. to me, it was like food that I'm scared of. Like it was, it was hard, yeah. you know, and I didn't really start loving food until I was probably in college really, you know? So, yeah. um, but it's fun. You know I mean? I think yeah. as, as you, as you get to you know, grow older, I think you can kind of also celebrate a lot of your roots, you know, like, especially with, um, you know, so much of, you know, the craft, you know, as, you know, being really instilled in you at such a young age. Yeah. 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 I agree. I, yeah. I, I think it was, I was similar. I, I really got into cooking more as an event mm-hmm. or more as a coming together uh, in college. Same thing. I was, I became not famous, but popular amongst my little friend group uh, for fajita margarita night, night, you know, where I would go get all the ingredients, yeah. cook all the steak and chicken. And that's where I really started doing it for more than one or two people or, or at all, really. So, yeah, I, I kind of, it is more of the the party aspect of it or really just the coming together of uh, aspect of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm it, with but it. It, it's cool too. I mean, I think it's, um, it's fun what you can do. I mean, you know, I had a lot of similar instances in, in college as well, you know, where it's, um, it was always just fun. Like everybody had like that common ground of, you know, coming together around a meal. And I think if you're talking about communal, um, I mean, you know, unless it's, uh, you know, around like a, you know, a, a pillar that most people like look to get together for like a cookout, like 4th of July, you know, right. or, um, you know, but barbecue, I mean, like it, that kind of defines like Southern communal dining, you know, and mm-hmm. especially like as you're, you know, passing, you know, plates around like, you know, more of a like community seat. I'm going to love that we're sitting at these awesome, <laughs> you know, really, really great communal style, like picnic style tables. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they're, they're also really nice by the way. Like these, like, Layman Luther, man, these, amazing story i could talk for an hour about them yeah <laughs> brian preston and layman luther their uh, their motto is a hand up not a hand out mm. and brian will tell you we just believe life happens around a table yeah. and we love that and yeah. so there's a story behind these tables but thank you but yeah. they're stunning i mean i Thanks. was just you know as i was setting up all my gear like i'm trying to move this this bench behind me <laughs> with one hand i was like <laughs> okay that is that is some <laughs> solid steel and uh yeah, I mean, they're, they're gorgeous, Thank by you. the way. We're going to spend the next 45 minutes talking about tables and benches. There you go. So, <laughs> A new segment. Yeah. <laughs> the, the rest of the show. So buckle up, everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, so growing up here in Georgia, like, tell me, like, you know, did, did you really have that? Um, did you have, like, a deep level of interest, like, when it came to, like, slow smoking, like, learning how to, you know, how to, to grill or, like, barbecue properly, like, learning from your dad? Like, talk to me about that. Sure. Um I get that question a good bit. It, where does where does the love come from? Where does the passion, or, or really, where did the interest come from? So, my first memories of slow smoking was down in Stillmore, Georgia, which is outside of Metter, Georgia, um, on I-16, in between Savannah and Macon. And every Thanksgiving, the dad side of the family, we'd all go down there. So it may be twelve of us. There may be thirty-four of us. But watching the, my dad and his two brothers get a whole hog and 
from the year one to, to where it is now has come a very, very long way. But the idea of, wow, you really got to cook a pig a long time in order to get all of its parts done. And so I had a natural curiosity as a five-year-old, six-year-old kid watching his heroes digging up, you know, digging uh, pits in the ground and putting cinder blocks on either side of it on a spit and accidentally ordering a 170-pound hog that had no business trying to be smoked that year because they didn't have the contraption to do it right. So watching that and learning how they learned and how they failed and then watching my father and uh, bring those those same things into our backyards at Emory and, and particular Emory and Vinings and building more contraptions, buying more contraptions so that he could understand before Google, right? <laughs> and you had a lot of, you know, you had some barbecue books out there, but they're, yeah. they're probably 80% myth and 20% science, whereas now you got a lot more science behind it you have access to. But he was trying to figure it out too. And me watching my father, my hero, doing that with his time that he could otherwise, I mean, and he would do it with me. He would invite me to come do it. I mean, naturally, I just became curious about it because my hero is doing it. And uh, it required sitting around, hanging around, and learning how to talk to each other. So that's where a lot of it just goes deeper than the pure curiosity of smoked meat. There's a lot of science I've learned in the last really 10 years of my life, five years in particular, a lot more science that now informs and ignites and excites what I, you know, what we all do around fires. But the curiosity started just really from a kid who just want, was watching his dad and uncles that he loved mess up cooking a whole hog and learning how to eventually get it to where it was edible and then eventually get it to where it was really good. But that took about a decade probably. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so talk to me about some of like the inspiration. I mean, you talk about like, you know, the science of slow smoking and I think that that's, you know, probably, I mean, you know, at least to, to me, I mean, I, I grew up around like my dad's slow smoking, like a pork shoulder. Um, not like a, you know, not doing like pit barbecue, but just like on, on the old, we called it like the old R2-D2 grill, like a charbroil. Barrels, or a, yeah. yeah. just like, I mean, yeah. that, or yeah, it was just basically a barrel. <laughs> and, you know, you would, uh, you know, soak wood chips. And then like, we just, I mean, in Florida, it's, everything is an oak. If it's not yeah. a palm tree, it's an oak tree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, but it was just, I mean, it was hours and hours and hours. I mean, like, I'm probably embellishing a little bit, but I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, like 10 hours. But yeah. it was probably, you know, I mean, it was, it was, right. yeah, it was a long time, you know, it'd start early in the day and then we would eat it at dinner, yeah. you know, and it's, it's relatively simplistic, but perfecting it or getting it to, to a place where it is, you know, either quote unquote award winning barbecue or that really sets it apart from, you know, just a dude slow smoking pork in his backyard, you know, like, you know, talk talk to me about like how, how you really came to like learn more about that process. Oh man, that's a great question. There's a lot in that. I would say the simple answer, or here's a simple way that I would approach it. And we were just talking, we talk about this almost every day. When I ask people, if I asked you, what is, when you think champion grade barbecue, you know, competition worthy, whatever you want to call it, I mm-hmm. mean, really all that matters is if you like it, right? I mean, th- at the end of the day, that's, that's what we, we try to preach more than anything is if you like it, that's all that matters. But if you want to call it a certain tra- uh, preserving a tradition or a craft, I would ask, okay, what would be, what do you think the, the key flavor ingredient in amazing barbecue, wh- what word or what words come to mind? The key flavor would be, yeah. I mean, I would would say smoke. Yeah, smoke, right? So if, and I agree, I would agree with you. Um, Notice we didn't say sauce, we didn't say rub, we didn't. It's smoke, right? Mm -hmm. 
So my real digging into the science behind it was probably inspired, and we'll get to later, but like watching Alton Brown and just do his thing and just like really saying, okay, there's something there. Let's, let's, go to establish, let's go establish what is barbecue. Forget about where it originated, what it is now, what we call it, what somebody else calls it. But what is it with this thing with smoke? Why is it smoke? You know, where did it start? And at the end of the day, um, it became, uh, and I learned this from other people, by the way, I, I didn't make up any of this, but if, as a cuisine, if barbecue's key flavor ingredient is also its fuel source, then as a cuisine, that makes barbecue truly a unique cuisine that nobody, no other cuisine can claim that, right? At least, I mean, I've never had anyone question it. And I've asked, I've asked lots of people at lots of mm-hmm. events. So if that's the case, if its key flavor ingredient, which is smoke, mm-hmm. is also its key, key fuel source, mm-hmm. then what is slow smoke barbecue? What does it really mean? Does it mean, you know, can I call crock pot slow cooked barbecue if its fuel source is electricity, right? Mm. So that's where I got really in, intrigued. Uh, I always had a natural curiosity for our offset smokers. My father in 1990. Uh, acquired a uh, Oklahoma Joe, Oklahoma Joe smoker, an offset, traditional offset smoker, right. which, it, which is good. It's not the greatest smoker, but it was, it was, I was intrigued by it. He uh, acquired it from uh, some Houston, the Houston's owners over on West Paces that tried to put it in their kitchen and they realized they knew nothing about oh, fire, <laughs> thermodynamics and smoke. Almost burnt the place down, I think. And about six of us went and got it and that's how we acquired the first offset. I fell in love with that. What I didn't know is the reason I was uh, I became so in love with that is because like these barrel smokers you see that we're that we have that we built that my uncle builds down in South Georgia that we're continuing to build more of for other barbecue brethren and sisters and and friends over the next few years. They burn wood. They only burn wood. There's no there's no electrical components. There's no gas components. I mean, the, the only gas we use in a barrel is from a, a propane blowtorch to get the fire started. Right. We're in a hurry. So we, those, those vessels burn only wood. They burn the fuel source, which should be, I think, in champion-grade barbecue. If I were to, to define champion-quality barbecue, I would say it gets all of its uh, key flavor from its fuel source. And in that case, it would be wood. And properly burned wood, then, is where we go to the next part of the discussion is you know not using just any you know any wood you buy at a fire stack but using like you said in florida there's a lot of oak some people love blackjack oak other people out like in texas and certain parts in central texas aaron franklin tries to avoid blackjack oak he gets some in his piles every now and again but there's 250 something um varieties of oak so it's really hard i steer away from oak because i can't i don't know enough about it to know where the really good oak around here is Mm -hmm. we stick to hickory and pecan what I learned is, well, smoke, yeah, pa- go ahead. Pause right there. Pecan. So, no, 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 no. You knew where I was going. So this is like, I love this. Cause like, you know, during an interview, like I'll like, like, okay, let's break. Let's actually talk about cornbread because like, I think there's two schools of thought, but okay. So you bring up a really good point, even though you weren't trying to sure. pecan or pecan. It, I, I joke with people. I say it depends on what, what, if I'm North or South of Macon. Okay. <laughs> so, if I'm south, I'll call it a pecan. Right. What's funny is up here, I have an easier time calling it pecan. And when, I, when I'm down at the farm south of Macon, mm-hmm. I tend to say pecan so, mm-hmm. or pecan. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interchangeable, honestly. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe to someone who's, uh, who's a northerner, you know, someone who's a Yankee, uh, maybe, maybe 
pecan is maybe they've heard it yeah. but not they, they don't they don't know that it's associated with the same thing as pecan yeah it's a you dialect know? thing it is sure. it totally is sorry <laughs> i, no, I just i it's think fun. it's i think it's so fun because like i mean i grew up you know it, florida's florida's the for, you know in most parts it's the south but it's not like yeah. georgia south obviously but you know i only grew up you know just saying pecan but yeah. like i love it when <laughs> you like there's only one way to say it and it's pecan uh, you know no, like <laughs> i was like you know what you probably make the best and i can't say pecan pie in that sense like you have to say <laughs> pecan, pecan pie. pie yep there you go so like i ha- i have to shift because it's almost like two different things you know <laughs> but it's it's just so funny man like i do i do i do know what you're talking about because like i yeah. uh I, uh, I got to know David Goodson from Goodson Pecans or Pecans, or pecans sorry, whatever he says, whichever one he says is what it is. But, uh, but man, I just love like hearing like, just like that regional difference, especially like that Southern accent as well. You sure. know, like it's just so cool. But, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, well, no, we, but, we have a pecan grove that's, mm-hmm. I guess we have about 65, 60 trees, maybe mm-hmm. uh, it's 103 years old wow. and still more. And we're, um, it's cool. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. And we, we use, we use some of that wood for our blend we do about 70 30 percent mix when if we could dial it in we would do 70 percent hickory and seven 30 percent pecan yeah well and, and maybe for the uninitiated you know mm-hmm. like the wood that you select really does impart very specific flavor into what you are smoking yep. whatever it is whether yep. it's pork or beef or vegetables even totally. um but you know what's um what, what what's like the What's like the main reason that you guys use hickory and pecan or pecan? Pecan. <laughs> we, we've been, yeah, we've, we've tried a lot of, I mean, we've smoked with about every kind of wood you can imagine. Um, we try to steer away from things that look like something that you think, and then you put them in and you realize it's, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of, um, we had a poplar once that someone thought was hickory, and then we got to it and we realized you can, you can look and split it real quick and figure out what it is or call your tree expert friend mm-hmm. and they'll tell you what it is. You don't want to smoke that with your meat. Yeah. But um, the thing is, it's, it's whatever you like. I mean, some people, you know, some, some barbecue enthusiasts may say, well, if you hear someone talking about mesquite wood, that they smoke with mesquite wood, then you know they're not real or they don't know what they're doing because this, that, or the other. But some people love to use mesquite in certain capacities. Usually those people that do use it, they know how they're using it. Um, for instance, Salt Lake out in Texas, I, th- I believe from everything I've read and what I've seen in person several times, they use their, uh, their open pit, which is really just their meat warmer inside the shop mm-hmm. when you walk in. They use mesquite coals on that, but they're just keeping their meat warm. What they smoke with, on the other hand, is probably oak or post oak. You know, um, hmm. So it, anyway, the, the, the wood is very important, and it's really just a, what's, again, what, what you like. I think it's important for people to understand there's three compounds in wood that make that make it taste the way it tastes or smell the way it smells once it's burnt and really to put it simply it's the fiber inside of wood it's it's cellulose and fiber um there's a fancy term for it but just call it fiber it's just like Mm -hmm. fiber found in vegetables lignin so it's when those burn it's it's not just recognizing all right what is it that burns that makes that hickory smoky deep you know deep eastern texas louisiana georgia alabama hickory you know when i when you say hickory you can almost taste it right whereas mm. pecan or pecan mm-hmm. when you smoke it what you know what what may come to mind and people may say well it's it's not it's more subtle right it's more it's not really fruity it's just more um if you're into coffee or wine it's the same kind of flavor notes if mm-hmm. you will when it gets smoked 
mm-hmm. and used properly. A lot oak, oak is great if you get the right kind, right varieties. You're usually pretty safe with oak, but I just stay away from it. But apple, cherry, uh, those are great fruit woods to use, right? But they all have their own distinct flavors, specifically when they're dried out properly or seasoned. We say seasoned when you hear seasoned wood or seasoned right. firewoods. That just means people let it, they split it usually and then let it sit out, hopefully under coverage for a certain amount of time. And mm. you know, ideally at least three to six months before you start burning it in a cooker. Right. That's a big, that's a whole another discussion. Um, mm. I think a lot of the commercial East Coast trend or really global trend has been use slightly wetter wood and put it in a machine because it lasts longer in, in a rotisserie. I, I understand that, but that's just not what we're about. You know, I'm totally down with that. If that's what you like, that's just not our, that's not our, we, we got a chance to build a model differently. Sure. So smoke and wood, uh, we, we are very, uh, I guess you could say we're hell bent on wood because that's what barbecue, that's what makes barbecue unique as a cuisine is smoke. Yeah. So we treat smoke almost, <laughs> almost, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say religiously, but, but smoke, we really, we're out to preserve that tradition of what is it you asked at the very beginning, what is it about slow smoking? Mm-hmm. Where did it come from and what is it now? And I could tell you where our theories of, of where it comes from and who figured it out better than others. Um, but the reality is it's there's science, there's real science behind it that if we're cooking our meat with the, the smoke that we're actually burning off of these hot fires and, and things like barrels or old traditional pits or just stone pits or whatever you're, if you're using that wood and the smoke coming out of that wood, it's very hot and it's vapor to convect and pull through and smoke your meats, then that's gonna be a very distinct type of barbecue yeah. taste. And it's not gonna necessarily be that real heavy, smoky, smothered taste, which by the way, we can do, we've got a hog smoker out back, we call a Big Daddy. And it does a great job smothering, uh, smothering meat and smoke. And it's mm. why it's really good for like whole hogs and pork shoulders. Right. Um, but for brisket, for instance, it, it does, it, it'll cook them and we can do them good, but it's just not the same. It needs a more gentle touch. It needs, yeah, it's just different. It's, it's imagine it's all about convection thermodynamics, right? right? Yep. And, and vapor smoke, I mean, smoke eventually goes from a solid to a gas, almost like a gas, right? To the vapor state quickly at some point, and then it becomes soot. So mm-hmm. the question is, how long is soot flavoring your meat versus how long is vapor flavoring yeah. your meat, right? Yeah. And that all depends on when does it come off the fire, the, the mm-hmm. log, when does it hit the chamber and the meat, and when does it exit, yeah. and how fast is it going? Yeah, and it, it is so funny. I mean, I, I, I love that you mentioned like you know the the science of slow smoking, and I think for um, for the most part, you know, I mean, I'd say definitely within the last somewhere between like five and ten years, there's been a really uh, like a, a really huge uptick in interest. I mean, I think a lot of people are starting to realize like what they loved about barbecue all along, you know, be it from Salt Lake or Aaron Franklin or just, just even really more, I think bringing more knowledge to the table from, you know, just, I mean, I think great publications that I really love to read or, you know, that I watch, you know, videos, I mean, um, like Bon Appetit or yeah. Eater, you know I mean? That they're, they're kind of taking these processes or, they're, they're, you know, the, the specific process of, of slow smoking and, you know, just showing the basic building blocks of it. And I think mm. for some people, it's either revealing and it makes them love it more or for some people they really just want to have it inside of a box but it's so i mean I, I, what i've what i've learned from you know meeting so many people over the years who are pitmasters and um you know 
it, it, it really takes so much craft of a very specific person's hand. It's not, here's the book and follow this book. Like if you're not in that room and really taking, take, I mean, just really being present is really what so yeah. much of barbecue is because yeah. it's not like, yeah, it's slow smoking, but it's not like you leave it in there for six hours you, you put it in, leave for six hours, and then come back, and you've got amazing barbecue. Like, yeah. it, it takes a lot of time, care, and attention. Yeah, if, you, if, if you're using, if you're building and maintaining and coddling fires, and you're not relying on machinery to do any or, or all of it, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you've got to have a shovel in your quote-unquote <laughs> smoke shack. Right. right. I mean, yeah. we, you, you look out there, and you can see... Yeah, four I mean, or five shovels. The, on the, on the first the thing that you notice when you pull up into the parking lot, I mean, you can see these giant barrels, you know, <laughs> through the screen, you know, which which I really did. I mean, <laughs> cool. where my wife is from in Northeast Georgia, there's a really awesome barbecue place. Um, I'm not sure if you ever heard of it. It's called Bar H. Bar H, Bar yeah. H Barbecue. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. Right outside of Royston. Yep. And, um, I, to, I grew up hunting in Royston. Yeah, yeah. My like before we were even married, my father-in-law like takes me back there because he just knows, you know, they're like friends. So he just like takes me back there. He's like, I want to show you the smoke room. <laughs> and like, it's just so cool. You can see where they've got the burn barrel and the giant like just war torn <laughs> shovel from over the years that yeah. still functions. Probably has and, a name. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you can just you can just see the age on some of these things and like just the engineering behind like how, you know, to, to your point, like you're controlling thermodynamics. Like yeah. it is way more fascinating. And like, I don't think what I love about barbecue is that it doesn't really fit in a box. Like there's so much variance to how someone controls temperature, controls smoke, controls flavor, what type of meat you use, which type of wood you use, mm. pecan or pecan, you know, yeah. like it's, um, I, I like that there's not an exact, you know, point at which, you know, you enter into the field of barbecue. Like you can come in any angle really. And it, I, I just think that's what makes it so interesting. So anyway, yeah. I, we think could, it's, I think it's as, it's as, div- or should be as diverse as the people it should appeal to. Yeah. which is everybody. Yeah. And so there should be lots of different ways. I think our way is just one way. Yeah. You know, it's one out of gosh, dozens of way to do barbecue Yeah, or call it barbecue. But yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah. I, I'm, I just, I'm fascinated by the science behind it, but I'm also fascinated by the art and the abstract and the things you can't, like you said, you can't put it in a box. Yeah. Yeah. I can make the world's best instructions. And it doesn't matter. It's yeah. It's like I don't know if you ever. It's like the joke. Like, man, you had to be there. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, I hate to use the, the show Breaking Bad, right? But right. It's like that where they tried to like hijack a formula and hijack the person, and they still couldn't get it to as good as it yeah. was. It, it's it's a joke because it's not a funny right. subject matter. Yeah. But it, if you love Breaking yeah, Bad, you're you gonna like love Dust Barbecue. You're, you'll love us. It's like legalized Breaking Bad. But um, <laughs> no, it's uh, there is. I mean. We just got back from a coastal trip to see some. Uh, first of all, you you mentioned some, a lot of really cool stuff and all of that, um, and it makes me think of like the Atlanta History Center, man. Locally, they're the barbecue exhibit, right? Mm, yeah, they've done a great job. The, the people that put that on, I mean, kudos to them for supporting that and uh, showing the world like the origins of barbecue as we know it and where did it come from globally? What is Where's the word spare rib come from? Really, there's a German root for that. Um, there's there's all sorts of cool stuff. So you got the Atlanta History Center that's showcasing the the history and educating people. And like you said, the the science of smoke with Aaron Franklin putting out the meat smoking manifesto three and a half I think three and a half years ago. I mean, that was the first book I wanted to read because it was so science driven. Yeah. But anyway, it's um 
it's, there's a lot of interest in it and there's a, there's a lot of lot less mythology now and a lot more okay what's really going on yeah so nah, that's awesome i dig it yeah man but um but i want to shifting gears just a little bit and really talking more specifically about what you guys are doing here with das barbecue so first off like what tell me just real quickly like what's the name like what, <laughs> what is das barbecue i mean really good great question okay the movie clerks in mm-hmm. 1990 i think or 91 or two. Oh yeah old school old school yeah. the black and white film that yeah uh, kevin was it kevin johnson and or, jay uh, and bob yes jay and Kev- silent bob that, that's the first place i ever knew them from so so yeah, there you go so clerks. there was a there was a scene in clerks uh where they introduced uh crazy jay's brother or cousin from moscow who was in a band and his hit song was das berserker so I was recounting this scene from the movie when I was on a train ride from Luzerne, Switzerland to Interlaken, Switzerland to go do a bungee jump with some friends. I was studying abroad over there in 1996. <laughs> and a, a guy asked me to repeat the line. And all of a sudden, I come back you know, seven weeks later with the nickname Das Berserker. It was very fitting at the time, probably not in a good way. But uh, <laughs> uh, it was so I just people just call me Das rather than Steven or you know, Das or Berserker or Das Bears. So it was just this whole nickname joke from college that never kind of went away because then my niece and nephew started calling me Uncle Das. So when I got into the brand building business with Son and Sons and I started saying, okay, one day if I'm going to do barbecue when I retire, maybe I should buy the URL. Well, I'll just call it. Das BBQ, three letters up, three letters down. And by the way, yeah, that's right. Because uh, my mom's side of the family, which is all Texas, Oklahoma, uh, deep Texas, central Texas, uh, there's that German thing. And I was starting to study six years ago, really understanding what the, um, you know, where did the Texas barbecue thing come from? What was the real origins of its history? And realizing that the German and Czech settlers and immigrants, migrants in central Texas were the, the, a lot of butchers and bakers. You notice we serve on butcher paper and baking pans. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these barbecue temples that we, that we, that we worship almost, but, you know, in particular in Lockhart, like Schmidting or Schmidt's and Kreitz Market, they uh, at one point in time, they're butcher shops, and they survived the Depression by mor- morphing into retail barbecue joints that were mm-hmm. selling their smoked brisket and sausage, which were, what, the leftover meats. Okay, right. <laughs> so that was really a kind of a cool sustainability story. So I, I just kind of parlayed those two lines of thought and said, okay, well, this is called Das Barbecue, and that was before I knew I was going to do it. Yeah, so. <laughs> I was gonna. I mean, I, I, it's easy enough for me to to kind of you know hear it and understand like okay cool so it's like you know das like das beers das yeah, das, das boat. yeah whatever like it just means the whatever the whatever yeah, this barbecue yeah, right this barbecue or the barbecue yeah, yeah. so if you think about it in that context for in, in the brand world we try not to have any more taglines than necessary right so it's kind of a, a self-implied tagline which is just hey this barbecue or the barbecue or hey this is barbecue this is our barbecue mm-hmm. we just like so this is just our barbecue but we really hope you just love all barbecue so right. it became a kind of a hidden message almost yeah, yeah. Well, that's fun though yeah. man it's super cool <laughs> but i do that i like i like the three letters up three letters down yeah. it's easy it's uh it's pretty easy to remember i mean my my name if you really break it down is only three letters yeah. as well so das ben yeah ben das. there you go <laughs> this ben i'm only one ben. This ben yeah just one ben but um man talk to me about the menu because i know we talked about like your process so much like yeah. what wood you guys are using so talk to me about like what's on the menu when you come to das barbecue yeah what's on the menu uh you'll notice we are a smokehouse so meats are what started oh, our menu, I mean, right I, I, sitting here i mean i'm looking forward to leaving here because <laughs> i'm gonna smell like this for the rest of the day i love it this is like one of the most comforting 
aromas and also just feelings of like I, I've been either around a fire or at least like a smoke pit all day. Like it's just a very comforting aroma to me. So uh. like, but when you walk through the door, I mean, even the dining room, I mean, even, even as the approach, like when you're coming down Collier, <laughs> you know, like if you have your windows down, like you're going to start smelling smoke. Like yeah. it, you're absolutely right. I mean, this place is a smoke house so well, that's we built that smoke shed that's a new structure believe it or not this was an old pizza hut but we wanted the idea was and this really came from justice jones our uh, our head pit master it was his idea to say hey on the property itself if the idea is we want people to that you got to see the barrels before you walk in the front door right i mean you may not you may not catch it but you're going to have to walk by the smokehouse because we realize that's what a lot of people either accidented on or they found out that that it's a chance for people to look into what we're doing and for us not to shield the outside from what we're doing. We want this to be a looking glass. So, and then when you walk in the front door to me, every morning I come in, it smells like Thanksgiving morning, every mm. morning. Cause you got these, okay, seven meats and seven sides. And I'll tell you what those are. We've got, you know, we're most famous at, so far. Uh, and we set out to be as we really just want to be, we want to help, help set the gold standard on the, at least on the East coast for brisket. So beef brisket, you know, uh, pulled pork, which is our second meat. And I'm going by the menu and mm -hmm. this is exactly seven meat, seven sides, uh, smoked Turkey. It's Turkey breast, white Turkey breast. And it's off the chart. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis style ribs, right? It's just a cut of ribs. They almost taste like baby backs. They're just bigger. Uh, they're pork ribs. You got sausage that we fly in from Elgin, Texas, from Myers Smokehouse. Okay, so that's nice. considered that kind of sausage capital of the barbecue world, if you will, or the 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 hot gut is what they call it, the hot gut sausage capital of the world. So you, you have uh, Myers and you have uh, Southside Market, and there um, we chose Myers just because their German family lineage and uh, Diane uh, Myers. It, we become friends with her. We just fell in love with each other. So that's who we uh, order our sausage from. So you have two types of sausage, but I'll call that meat number five. Mm -hmm. You have chicken wings, smoked chicken wings. Oh, we, we don't fry them because we have no fryers and no freezers. That's our model. I mean, we no fryers, no freezers, uh, which we, we stick to, and it's kind of cool. Yeah, smoked uh, wings are badass, by the way. So hey, you know, more man, power to you. I'll, I'll send you home with a bunch because, <laughs> and then and they stay a long time. You don't have to yeah. you know, the fried stuff. I love wings. I love fried wings, but yeah. the smoked wings you can eat them the next day, and they're yeah. really good. Yeah. And then chicken, rotisserie chicken, uh, smoked rotisserie chicken, that is phenomenal if you like chicken. But again, that turkey, that third meat, uh, it, it has become. I mean, it, it's something special. So that's seven meats. This and. and each one of those, we we just use two two rubs on those, and in our rubs, I, I mean, I give it away. I give the exact, but but to keep it short, I'll just tell you, it's it's salt, it's kosher salt, cafe pepper, granulated garlic, dark chili powder, and granulated. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, dark chili powder and ground chipotle pepper. That's the beef rub, and then for the pork and poultry rub, we throw in brown sugar mm, as the seventh ingredient. Yeah. And we got a chance to kind of build all of our sides using that simple spice rack, right? We, we have a couple of extra, maybe four or five additional spices, but we got a chance to build the sides in harmony with those, that meat rub, right? And the sauces have that same spice mix and mixture in them. The only thing we throw, well, no, they, they, the only thing we throw into the red sauce is onion, uh, uh, onion powder, which is not in that original rack, right? So we got a chance to build this, to orchestrate this whole assembly, and not just using, hey, mama's recipe from this and dad's recipe from that. The seven, the seven sides became 
cream corn. We just call it, we used to call it elote cream corn. Now we just call it das cream das corn, corn because it's <laughs> it's just this thing that um, our the, the the guys and gals that help start this business that some are with us still, some are not. They really have to take credit for the the das cream corn because uh, I got that idea from Rudy's out in you know in the Midwest and out in Texas, and they have a different, very different cream corn, more of a traditional cream corn. But I told the gang, I said, look, I don't, I think the best mac and cheese in town is over at Community Q. <laughs> I always will. Yeah. And uh, so I don't think we're going to recreate the best mac and cheese, although I want it to be good. But let's, there's something about cream corn. Let's see about cream corn. And they nailed it, man. So there's cream corn, uh, the first on the menu. I'll just read it off here. You got the Brunswick <laughs> stew, yep. which we make a tra- more traditional, thicker stew uh, that's more blended with potato corn and pork. Yeah, yeah. You got the uh, pinto beans, which is really are kind of an east coast answer to communal pinto beans from texas yeah where, you know they have communal a lot of communal pinto beans and yeah. peppers and then like if you get southwest kind of like the borracho style yeah. beans yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly yep. and so then uh mac and cheese shells and cheese Amen. and uh it's you know it's good and we we designed ours where you can take it and it won't uh you, you don't it doesn't have just a 20 minute eating window but the best mac and cheeses have a very short window to eat mm-hmm. right yeah. I mean, yeah at least in my opinion but it's, it's darn good yeah and then you got um coleslaw which is an adaptation really of salt licks coleslaw which is also a german lineage recipe as we understand it oh, gotcha. which is uh everything's fresh like we don't nothing i mean it's fresh cabbage um, <laughs> that coleslaw is something special we boil a cider vinegar with sugar and salt and then we let it cool in white pepper we toast sesame seeds. We chop fresh cabbage, uh, mainly white, some some purple and some carrots, and then we boil that sauce, let it cool down, and then we mix it all together with some celery seed. Right when that's the only one that we really kind of make fresh as far as the ingredients right before mm. it gets served. We don't want it sitting in the vinegar very yeah. long. And then you got the collard greens, which are by the way. Um, Mac and cheese, coleslaw, collard greens, potato salad, and the corn. Those are all vegetarian. Well, and so like I, I wanted to make sure that we talked about that for just yeah. a minute because you know I am um, I'm married to a vegetarian. So vegetarian, you know, is is you know I think it's becoming more. Um, it, it's probably becoming easier to cater to vegetarians. I think it yeah. used to just be like I don't really know how to feed you. Like yeah. where do you get your protein? Like all of that stuff is really going out the window sure. now. I think people are getting a lot more wise, and especially on the culinary side of things, like mm. you're just starting to see more people with dietary restriction. And it's not even really dietary restriction. It's really yeah. just lifestyle. Correct. You know, like hey, exactly. like I can go to a barbecue restaurant with my friends, and they have five sides that are vegetarian friendly. Like have not touched any sort of you know animal byproduct. Bingo. And but that's awesome. Not even you know? near it. Really. Right. You know, and I mean, you, you've got completely different prep areas and surfaces and like it's, yeah. um, so, I mean, I just think that that's like, that's a huge feather in your cap, man, that you can really, you know, I mean, especially having something that's really great and adventurous, like, you know, for most people, if you think collard greens, like it's probably been like, you know, a stride, you know, one or several ham hocks, like for several hours. And like, believe me, those are delicious. Yeah. And like, those are the kind I that I grew up eating. You They're know? my but, favorite still. Yeah. But, but, um, but it's amazing, you know, that you can still, you know, produce an amazing, you know, pot of collard greens and it's completely vegetarian. So. Absolutely. Well, you, you know, that, and that was, that was the only, that was probably the closest. Yeah. It's actually the only thing that we took a family recipe, which was from my mom mm-hmm. and she had learned how to do that from her mom. And, both ways. I mean, we, she, we, I had it both ways growing up, but the same thing with her. She had a lot of friends that, that had the dietary restrictions or just lifestyle choices. So not only do we have, I, when I was raising you know, capital to put this together, I told all the potential investors, I said, hey, here's the menu, and we're going to have this, this, this. 
and sides, they will rotate every now and again, but we're going to have five vegetarian sides, like true vegetarian sides at any given time. So, um, that was important to me. It's, I noticed it, I thought it'd be a good uh, kind of as much of a gift to us as it was to the community and to our customers, but also Ben, there's, um, Glenn Austin, who is our kind of commander in chief here with, he can do everything I can do better. And, um, and just so can justice, but, but Glenn took it upon himself to even make the entire menu gluten free mm. as much as possible. So our entire menu on top of all that, we switched even the soy, the light soy to tamari in our sauces to make everything gluten free. So wow. except for the mac and cheese and the breads and the, and the desserts, which now we do have a gluten free dessert, uh, but we buy it from camp Southern ground. Um, besides those three things, the entire, it's completely gluten free. And there's a lot of, there's a few vegan uh, options too. So yeah. it's cool. cool, man. And you got Arnest Mallory in Lubbock, Texas. They're mm -hmm. in everything they do, including desserts is gluten free. That's, it's just cool too. I mean, you know, like I, um, yeah, I, 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 I bake bread, you know I mean? Like I've got a giant nice. whisk tattooed on my right arm. So like, <laughs> I love gluten, you know, like I'm all for it. Like I am like pro gluten, yeah, but me too. you know, it like gets, you know, like I understand, like I have an uncle who's like very, very susceptible to, to celiac, you know I mean? He like, even just like the tiniest, you know, I mean, granule of like breadcrumbs or just something like it can really set off his system. And like, yeah. there is so much sensitivity and I think. It gets, it gets like kind of a comedic rap of like, oh my sure. gosh, it's like you walk by a loaf of bread and you know, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna pass out. You know, like, I mean, there, there's, there's just so much to, you know, that you, if you don't understand, then you don't understand it. Yeah. But like just not even having, you know, that type of, um, that type of level of worry, it's just really cool. I mean, I think it, it's, it's a great way to like, not only approach, I mean, it, you know, whether you want to look at it this way or not, like that's just great customer service, but it's also like, I think it's also really cool to see that, you know, the style of barbecue, the style of cooking, your approach to building a menu is like, you know, Hey, this is like, you, you can still get all the flavor. You're still unlocking all the potential, but it doesn't have to have, you know, like we can stop at six ingredients. We don't have to have nine, you know, and yeah. the other three, which are, you know, gluten heavy yeah. or, you know, so you, it's cool. Man. It, it's, it's, in, it's intentional. I mean, if it's, I mean, I think people would say our brand is very intentional. And yeah. so things like that, they, they require attention and you have to be, I think, intentional about it. And, um, but we put it against the same test as anything else. We, we, we agreed that if it was really off on the flavor after it got made, we blind test, taste test everything, including from our meat purveyors to everybody. We truly are tasting blind taste. So we put the non-gluten versus the, the formerly gluten together. And every time the non-gluten won on blind taste test mm -hmm. with at least five of us trying it. So it just became, it, so it happened that way and we're glad it did, but we really wanted to make it work. So thanks. We're, yeah. we're, we got a lot of people that inquire about that and it's, it, I don't think it's irresponsible to, to ignore it, but at least let people know your position. Sure. Yeah, yeah man. That's just really cool. You know? So, I mean, I think, you know, just seeing the menu, I mean, again, like it's, um, it's, it's really, it's really fun and, and just like easy to approach, you know? The, well, I'll tell you this, man, the desserts, let me tell you real quickly about brownies are real straightforward. They get made fresh every day, mm -hmm. throw out anything that doesn't get used uh, for the most part. And, uh, we do have, okay. So there's peach cobbler and seasonal cobbler, but mainly usually it's peach. Mm -hmm. That's really good too. But the showstopper on the dessert that people come, they'll come at night just to get it to go is the banana pudding. And the idea behind the banana pudding is I fell in love with the, the, um, the banana cream pie at Landmark Diner a long, long time oh, ago, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, 
let's take banana pudding maybe and kind of like with the cream corn i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't put it together we just had some some people that they know how to cook and they know how to put it together i said um and i just kind of i kind of guided them into making it taste exactly like that and they didn't really know that that's what i was going for but eventually it's a white chocolate banana pudding you're gonna i mean if you like that you'll go cuckoo yeah it doesn't sound terrible no it's not terrible it's shaved white chocolate (laughs) it's it's the polar opposite of terrible whipped fresh cream no nothing frozen and it's and glenn really took that and and and, uh, perfected it and it's it's crazy nice dude I mean, I, I can't, I can't wait. So, but, um, but no, I mean, I mean, I, I love the approach to food and I mean, it's obviously, you know, I mean, how long have you guys been open now? This is our golly 24th month of actually being open. This will be the end of our two years of operating. And it took us one year of committing to the lease and, uh, holding our hands together a lot and, mm-hmm. and building out, uh, and renovating and getting the permitting to, yeah. to get open. So this is our second year in operating as a business as of December 31st. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, dude. And you know, I mean, I was just going to say like you, um, you know, obviously within just two years of operating here on the West side, um, you guys have landed in, you know, a lot of just really, I mean, just good circles of notoriety. People are really picking up what you're putting down, basically. You know, so Thanks. I think what you guys are doing, I mean, it's just really cool to read. I mean, you're like, you know, in and out of, you know, best barbecue in the city. And, you know, I mean, I um, I just think it's really cool, you know. And you you guys have, have, you know, put a lot of time and effort into, you know, not only the process, but building a menu, creating an atmosphere that people want to be in. And, um, you know, it's just, it's really cool. But, you know, like, what, what has that really been like for you guys, like, to... I mean, to like really, you know, land on people's radar like so early on. Oh, man. It, it, first of all, it's flattering. Uh, I don't think any of us deserve anything. In fact, I'm, I'm glad life isn't fair in my world. But um, I think it's important to know two kind of two key points for, for at least this brand and this group of people. One, it is a gr- it is a team. And I'm just a very small part of that team. I mean, you've got you've got a, a list of people including our investors that made it financially possible to who are willing to risk a statistically terrible investment on, <laughs> right on, on a group that never that i didn't come from the restaurant world right in order two-thirds of the people i hired right at, from the get-go but um it's been from that team effort i mean you notice i'm not touching anything right now i could go touch everything and i love doing it but the idea was passing that knowledge of barbecue of slow smoking getting everything that i knew through my upbringing and you know curiosity and slow smoking and really learning to teach that and really honestly wanting other people to do it better than i could do it and i really wanted to you know i think that's how you really become something special and i think it's it's just as important to realize as just like it's a really really important team sport here we didn't you notice it's not we didn't want the brand to be built around anybody. Any, I mean, yeah, there's a nickname and a funny story behind it and whatever else. But at the end of the day, we just hope the brand is, is known for ego not welcome. Like, mm. if you think that's what Das Barbecue equals in the translation is ego not welcome, then you're going to love us and you're going to love working here. Or if, and if you don't, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's kind of our thing. But just realize it's important to know Fox Brothers in particular showed us it showed me. I mean, I, I was watching them from the get when they were doing barrel smoking behind Smithsville Bar. Mm. I was playing music there. That watching people like Fox Brothers, Community Barbecue, right? Community Q and in, in, in Decatur. Yeah. Uh, Heirloom Market, uh, Cody and his wife. And 
I was paying attention and going and supporting all these barbecue joints for a long time before Bees Crackling was, was Hottie Hogs. I loved Hottie Hogs, man. It was the closest thing to where I worked for 12 years. Um, to Old Hickory House. I grew up in Old Hickory House. To U.S. Barbecue 1 and U.S. Barbecue 2, which are the, you know, kind of the godfathers of the Atlanta market to specifically and especially the, you know, Williamson, um, gosh, the uh, Williamson Brothers Barbecue. And uh, we've gotten to know them really well just recently. There's all these heroes of ours that we respect, revere, want to be like. There's things we're going to do differently. There's things they're going to do differently. But at the end of the day, I got real, um, it's been been very flattering to be recognized, but this is a hundred plus year sport, right? We want to be, we want our great, great, great grandchildren talking about these crazy characters, you know, Das Berserker and Ben, did you hear that (laughs) podcast back in the early days that they were talking about pecan or pecan? What is that? We don't, you know, um, I know hopefully we'll have plenty of it still, but (laughs) regardless, the, the idea is we're super excited. We're super, um, flattered. And we really are set out to, I, I, I try to say it as much as possible, we want to help reinvent the barbecue experience, uh, especially on the East Coast because we're Southeast folks, but reinvent that experience and make it accessible to everybody, like we talked about in the beginning. Every, you know, every type of person under no politics, no anything, just people. And so if we can do that, it's going to require the utilizing and, le- um, and, and asking for help from our heroes, like some of the ones I just mentioned, right? Mm. To, you know, to uh, Daddy D's, to Old Brick Pit. I mean, that's my personal favorite. There, there's just all these heroes. So to be amongst those heroes is humbling. And I think, I, I mean that in the truest sense, it is humbling. And we are just out to help the craft of barbecue to help Georgia define its voice in barbecue. When people say, what's Georgia barbecue? Is it like Carolina's? Is it like this or that? I said, no, man, hell no. It's Southeast barbecue. It's just a regional thing. We, I, I think what Georgia has an opportunity to do to, you asked, you, you alluded to the, what is the voice of bar, Georgia barbecue? Mm. I think it should be the voice of camaraderie and mm. the voice of collaboration and the voice of education. And I think we're really good at that. And the voice of mentorship, because I think Atlanta does mentorship personally better than anywhere else on the, on the planet. And I've been around the world uh, a little bit. My father's been around the world a lot. And I think we just embrace this. No matter where we're from, there's something in the water here, right, that just wants us to get along. So yeah. that's barbecue. And, that's, and I think that's just as much, if not more, of what's helped put us on the map than the actual quality of the food which you can, you can either make, you can make a decision for yourself. What our pit master's doing right now, justice, mm-hmm. our head guy, I mean, has he sat down once, right? Since you've been here. Yeah. Um, I, I think you can argue on whether or not ours tastes the best or whether it's the most authentic or blah, blah, blah. Um, we do use gas ovens to finish, uh, to finish our heavy meats, but we smoke them all in the barrel. Mm. So we're real wide open about what we are and what we are not. And we just want to help everybody, uh, Put a put a mark on Georgia and the 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 voice of Georgia barbecue, whatever that is, so that when I go to the you know to Memphis or Austin or wherever else, I my my heroic places of barbecue, St. Louis, that I hear people talking about Georgia barbecue. Yeah, that would be success. And until that happens, I won't sit down either. Nice. <laughs> well, man, <laughs> I, I I love your story. I mean, again, like I, I 
I love talking about barbecue. I just think it's super fun, and um, you know, I don't I don't eat as much as I probably used to, but you know, it's um, it's still just Me neither. Like, well, <laughs> right, right. But the uh, but yeah, I mean, just like the craft behind it. I love what you guys are doing, man. So, but yeah, I mean, like with um, you know, wrapping up here, like with like the last last minute or two, like tell us like what's next for Das Barbecue. Yeah, oh, man, that's a great question. I think one of the best ways to answer that is uh, we're very open-minded to what's next so that we can also be prepared for maybe what's not next. But what I would see if I were to be getting picked up by the alien mothership here in a minute, <laughs> I say, here's what I see in Das Barbecue. <laughs> I would say one, uh, uh, this location's the you know, number one, create a location number two, um, probably somewhere closer to where I grew up, if you catch my drift. Nice. You know, I, I just... I'm drawn to that, but also I think it's a good brand opportunity for some synergies. So two locations, and then at some point along the way, um, like an, I'll just call it an epic uh, commissary kitchen or an epic uh, production experience Hmm. where we could both serve the public, invite people in, further educate, and uh, and produce large amounts for however, however small or big we get. I think that's the Atlanta scene. And then beyond that, Ben, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, Great Britain, uh, Cape Town. Then there's play, there's people all over the world that my pops knows that they want us to come try Das Barbecue in their parts of the world. So that would be really cool. Um, nice. I personally would love to put one in Chicago, but that's that that'll be ten years away probably. Cool. Hey, we'll never stop telling the story, man. We'll, yeah. we'll keep following Das Barbecue. But man, <laughs> Steve and Franklin, thank you so much for joining me here on the show, man. It was a pleasure. So pleasure. let's go eat some barbecue. Let's do it. All right. All right. Huge thanks to Steven and his entire team for having me over to Das Barbecue last fall for some conversation and especially some brisket. And if you want to check these guys out, go ahead and head over to their website at dasbarbecue.com. That's D-A-S-B-B-Q.com. Or just go ahead and put 1203 Collier Road into your GPS now if you're ready for lunch. Get the brisket, get the corn, and dear Lord, get dessert. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Getz, and if you like what you hear, you can support the show on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry. <laughs>